Welcome to the Around the Keg Podcast, your one-stop shop for hot takes and cold beer. I'm your host, Whit Barfield, joined as always by my two co-hosts, Matt and Lando, and our tech producer, Keys. This week, we finally have real top 25 college football to talk about. After a little NFL preseason talk, we jump right into week one with our CFB road trip draft, followed by our pour one out, cut them off segment, and ending with our week one picks of the week. You will not want to miss a single second. Hope you guys enjoy. Woke up this morning, went to the gym, ate breakfast, and then started watching First Take. And what's her face? Uh, Molly Karam. She was like, we have breaking news. Cam Newton has just been cut from the Patriots. Couldn't believe it. Me and Witt were actually talking about this last week. And, and I thought that Cam would start for like the first two or three weeks. And then that's whenever Mac Jones would take over. I did not see him getting cut by the Patriots. Absolutely insane, man. But shout out to Mac Jones, QB1 for the New England Patriots. Yeah, I was pretty surprised they cut Cam. I honestly thought that he would come out in week one and start the season just because Mac is so young, even though he has looked really good in the preseason. Um, but, I mean, it's not a total surprise to me because, I mean, we, we've been talking about it. Mac looks way better than Cam has pretty much all preseason, and Cam didn't really look great last year. Um, and honestly, I thought they'd give him a chance just to show out with the guys they picked up in the offseason because they had a couple weapons for him. But he, um, no, nah, it's good for Mac Jones, though, man. He, he's definitely proven some people wrong. It just shows that Cam Newton didn't do enough to win the starting job, and Mac Jones did what he had to do to basically take it. I think Dan Orlowski said that today. Mac Jones took the job from Cam Newton. Cam Newton didn't do enough to separate himself from Mac Jones, and Mac Jones showed everything that uh, Josh McDaniels was looking for and and Coach Belichick. So um, I think Cam Newton's career is effectively over. I thought his career was over last year because he didn't look good at all. And uh, his issue is once his legs went out and he lost his ability to be an athlete, which is pretty much how he won that MVP the year uh, the Panthers went to to the Super Bowl. He won it because he was such a freak athlete. He was impossible to stop. So you had to account for his legs. Once his legs uh, went away, then it really spotlighted how much he could not throw the football. And in this league, when you aren't mobile, you have to be able to throw the football and make smart decisions. And Mac Jones is exactly that. And Mac Jones is what the Pats are looking for. And I think that one of the part, one of the problems with Cam, not really a problem, but it's something that he talked about a lot earlier on in his career, how he took hits that other quarterbacks would get penalties for because he was a mobile guy and because he was a bigger quarterback and he ran the football a lot. So he took some shots early on in his career that not everybody else had to take. And he was like, look, it's kind of not fair that I'm getting hit up high, taking shots above the shoulders, that Tom Brady's getting a penalty if he gets hit like that. Drew Brees was getting penalties if he gets hit, hit like that. But for whatever reason, Cam wasn't. And so I, I think that that had a little bit to do with how short his career – or shortened his career a little bit. Uh, it took his legs away from him sooner maybe. But, I, I mean, hey, again, shout-out to Mac Jones, uh, officially – Iron Bowl champions of Patriot quarterback competition, University of Alabama. So does somebody pick up Cam Newton or is he done? I think 
He, I wouldn't even mess with him. I wouldn't touch him. I, part of the reason that I think he was cut is because there was a conversation like, hey, Mac Jones is going to be the starter. You can either be his backup or we can let you go. And I think Cam was probably on the line of like, hey, I'd rather, I would rather go see what else is out there than wind up being the backup in this situation uh, because I know I'm not going to see the field again unless there's an injury. So I, I kind of think Cam's done. Honestly, I don't think that there's a team out there that there's there that's gonna pick him up. I don't I don't see where he would be a great fit anywhere either. I mean, a lot of these teams that are lower that don't have a quarterback right now don't want a quarterback because they don't want to win any games so they can draft a quarterback higher in the draft. So they're gonna do what they have to do this year, manage, and then draft somebody. I think Cam's done, Matt. I think you're right on the money with that conversation that uh, he had with Belichick. But I think it was, went a little bit differently. I don't think Cam was like, "Oh, in this certain situation, like I'm never, I'm not going to see the field unless there's an injury." I think Cam was like, "Look, I'm starting material. I am Cam Newton. I won Heisman, national championship, MVP in 2016. Uh, I'm not, I'm not playing backup. That that Cam's got that ego, man. And like all glory to Cam. He's a great. He's had a really good career. He is a really hard worker, and I've heard from multiple people that he is a really hard worker." Um, even on the inside, but he is so egotistical. Like that's just the type of guy he is. There's no way he's gonna sit behind this little chubby white dude and play backup quarterback. There's no way. So I think the only chance Cam Newton has is if the Texans are like, "Hey, we want you to come be our starter," while Deshaun Watson is still going through all this stuff that he's got going on, and um, and I, you'll you have Tyrod Taylor there too, so. They might just stick with them and be like, all right, we got Tyrod. We don't need to go after Cam. I think that's his only opportunity. Took the words right out of my mouth. Cam is an egomaniac. He is not going to want to sit behind somebody and be somebody's backup. He's accomplished too much in the NFL. He's accomplished too much in college football. He, I, I, honestly, he's accomplished too much in his life in football, period. So people who are like that, they don't have that mentality of, Oh, I can just go and hold the clipboard for this guy and help him out and help the team win games. No, no. They want to go out and lead the team to to championships and lead the team to glory. Unfortunately for Cam Newton, his time is over. His legs are gone, and he can't throw the football. That's his problem. And unfortunately, I think the same thing is going to happen to Lamar Jackson once his legs go away, too. His inability to be able to throw the football down the field accurately and make smart decisions with the ball is going to have uh, cause his career to be short as well. Yeah, I mean, it's similar to Cam, too, where Cam took a lot of hits, especially playing for the Panthers, who really never got him an O-line while he was there. Lamar's gone through the kind of the same thing. Now, Lamar's offensive line is a lot stronger than Cam's has ever been, but those guys will slowly start aging out. They already had one guy retire last year. Um, and the more that those guys age out and the less they focus on the offensive line, the more you're going to see Lamar take some really bad hits and it's going to hurt his career down the road. Yeah, like look at uh, I think Michael Vick is the only quarterback to ever really completely change their game from relying so much on his legs to actually having to rely on his arm. And I think a lot of that had to do with, you know, the circumstances that he went through or being out of the league for so long and having to come back and noticing that, oh, man, I can't do this, and being with the right football coach and Andy Reid 
who forced him to have to make reads and make you know make throws to make him a better uh, passer. So uh, if Lamar Jackson can become like a Michael Vick once his legs go away, then I'm all for it. Then he'd be a, like a really great p- player later in his career. Yeah, part of Vic's thing though was Vic had a better arm just in general. Like he he had a much stronger arm. He could throw the deep ball. He threw the ball well, intermediate and short passes. He just had such a cannon. He didn't know how to tone it back. So he would throw the ball 100 miles an hour, five yards downfield to Algie Crumpler. <laughs> but was, and and I don't think Lamar has that kind of arm strength. I think Lamar is is a decent enough passer to make him effective because he has his legs, but I don't know that once his legs go, he's going to be able to do that. Now, in saying that, I think Lamar Jackson's legs still have a few years of life in them, so I don't think it's going to be anytime soon where he's going to slow down in that regard. And he added Sammy Watkins this year as, as a receiver. And if you look at the the Ravens receiving core recently, they haven't exactly had anybody that was a top-tier receiver. They had Hollywood Brown, who's been good, but... I mean, as far as a good, consistent downfield deep threat that can take the top off of a defense and then is a good route runner as well, they haven't had a great receiver either. So I think this year is going to be the telltale sign for Lamar on what what happens with him as far as is he going to ever develop as a passer or not. Cam Newton, like, he did lead the Pats, like the team. The Pats last year shouldn't have won seven games. Let's just be honest. They shouldn't have won all those games because they had a lot of people opt out for COVID. So I'm going to give Cam Newton, you know, his props because he did kind of help the the Patriots last year. But for him to, you know, lead a team to the playoffs, it's it's not going to happen anymore. I think he'd be like a good bridge quarterback for a team if they needed it. I think that when you when you invest a first round pick on a guy like Mac Jones and he shows the ceiling being as high as it is like he did in, the, in this preseason. I mean, he absolutely balled out. Him and Cam's stats were basically compared, like the, the very identical uh, in the games that they both played in, um, including their completion percentage and all that. And when you invest a first-round pick in a guy like that, you've got the only way that they develop is by playing. You don't develop by sitting on the bench behind anybody. You develop by playing. So... Why waste time with Mac Jones sitting on the bench when we can start him week one and then he can develop and go through the growing pains of a rookie year and potentially lead the Patriots back to the playoffs in a division that I think is going to be a really compelling division to watch this year because the Bills are really good with Josh Allen. They're, they're, they were a, a, a few plays away from potentially going to a Super Bowl last year. Obviously, the Chiefs dominate them in that in that uh, AFC championship game but they they were really close to being a a Super Bowl team last year the Dolphins I think the Dolphins have one of the better defenses in the AFC East they're returning a lot uh Tua's development this year is going to hinge a lot of whether or not they're going to be a, a true playoff contender or not and then now the Patriots they they're getting a lot of guys that opted out last year on defense, like uh, Dante Hightower, Patrick Chung. Uh, I think there was another corner that that opted out last year. That they're all coming back this year, so they're going to be much better on defense. Why not let Mac Jones develop with that and put, give you a potential to go to make a deep playoff run? And and who knows what happens? And and then you go from there next year. They also added uh, what's his name, the tight end that was with Tennessee, uh, Johnny Smith. 
Yeah, John R. Smith. They added some pieces that can make Mac successful. So why not give the young kid a shot? The veteran offensive linemen have their have put their faith in him. They've got good running backs, and uh, they I know they just traded so, traded Sony Michelle, but Damian Harris had a really good preseason. They got a good stable of backs. I, I think that this is going to be a really interesting year for the Patriots, and you know I'm excited. I'm really excited for the NFL this year for the first time in a while. The Patriots also have Ramondre Stevenson, Boomer Sooner. That's why Sony got traded, by the way, because. I think one because of injuries. He, he he he's a good running back. I just think over his career in the NFL, he's just been too inconsistent, like being on the field and whatnot. So they were able to draft Ramondre Stevenson in the fourth round. He if he can stay healthy, then the Patriots are going to have a stout backfield. I still don't think they're going to win the division, though. Bill's going to win that division. I'm I'm with you there. I think the Patriots and the Dolphins are going to be fighting for second place no matter what. The Bills are just too good. Josh Allen's just been too good uh, the past couple years. And uh, honestly, I think it's going to come down to, will Tua take that next step and develop um, into the quarterback he was drafted to be, be that franchise starter? Uh, he really didn't look at it last year when he got to play. Um, and a lot of people are saying they don't really believe him in, anymore. Um, I still think he's going to be good. I don't know if he'll be as good as people wanted him to be coming right out. Um, but I still think he's got the talent in him. He's, he's got a really good work ethic. And the Dolphins have a good team around them um, that people don't really talk about much. All right, let's talk some college football. Nebraska sucks. So I sat I sat here and watched the Nebraska-Illinois game. That game was awful. I'm kind of glad I ended up not going to Illinois for it. Uh, it was kind of a complete waste of time. UCLA-Hawaii, that was the other bigger game that was going on. And UCLA actually looked really good in that game. I don't know if uh, Matt or Keys, if either one of y'all got to watch it, but they – um. Even against Hawaii, which I know Hawaii's not good at all, but just they actually looked like they had their stuff together. Um, it's the first time since Chip Kelly's been there, they looked like they actually knew what they were doing on the field. They could be a surprise team. Yeah, UCLA looked really good. This is um, Chip Kelly's fourth year with UCLA, and I think he's finally started to get some of his type of players in there. So uh, I am really excited at, at what UCLA can do. They got uh, Dorian Thompson, what's his name? Dorian Robinson. Dorian Thompson Robinson, the quarterback. He is going to be a sneaky Heisman contender. If he continues to play really well throughout the season, I could see him, you know, being in that Heisman, you know, contentionship late in the season. So look out for UCLA. What what team do they play that's big here coming up? LSU. Yeah, LSU week one. LSU. Okay, LSU. Okay, so I think they're going to beat LSU. Uh, that's just, you know, I think – the fact that they ha- they already have a game under under their belt and it's going to be LSU's first game to figure things out, I think UCLA is going to going to get that dub. I was going to save the suspense for our picks, but I also am picking UCLA in that game. Um, I, I was I was impressed with UCLA, and the biggest thing to me is they they've had an actual game speed game. Uh, but I'll talk about that more later. Uh, UCLA looked good. Uh, I just. At the same time, how much of it is UCLA looking good and Hawaii being Hawaii? And I, I mean, I love Hawaii, but you're talking about a team that isn't really going to contend in the Power Five against against any Power Five teams this year, and it being Week Zero, so they're coming out with rust on them. I mean, obviously UCLA is too, but I mean, talent wise, UCLA is a much better team than Hawaii, and I, I was like. 
I was kind of excited for the Nebraska-Illinois game because I thought it was going to be a moderately decent game. It was just kind of sloppy. Horrible game. It was very much a week zero game. You know, and and, and not just sloppy in the sense the the team the football was bad. It was just like there were so many penalties that that pushed Illinois down the field even further. Uh, there was like the the game the play that really, in my opinion, like completely turned the game around was there was it was like nine to two at the time. Illinois gets a pick or Nebraska gets a pick. They're going to have the ball in Illinois territory, but there was a roughing the passer. And then immediately after that, there was a uh, excessive celebration or taunting penalty. So it was a 30 yard penalty and it put Illinois in, in field goal range and it would have ended their drive. So that's a, that was a huge momentum swing. And Nebraska just looks awful. Like Scott Frost looks like he's lost as a head coach. And he even said that after the game, he, he said that uh, when Illinois came out, given the little looks that they were given, they weren't expecting that. And it's like, what? So you're basically just saying that you were unprepared. That game was the most big 10 game I've ever seen in my life. It started off with a safety to start the season, injuries everywhere, missing PATs, just horrible. Yeah. And then you have Scott Frost coming out and saying what Matt just said. I mean, he, he literally said we had to scrap our entire playbook after the formation they showed up with. That is like, I was like, why would you even say that? Like, even if he had to, like, don't don't say that in front of the media. Like, you have to be real, real dumb to throw some stuff like that out. And on, and that's just, it's really bad for Nebraska because I know um, after what Scott Frost did at UCF, they were real high on him coming in. They thought he was going to be the the savior for the team. And I mean, it's. I don't think he's going to get fired yet, so I mean, he still could be, maybe. But that's that's a bad sign right there. I'm going to tell you exactly. Oh. I'm going to tell you exactly when Scott Frost, Scott Frost is going to get fired when they play Oklahoma and Oklahoma scorches him by 60 points. He's going to get fired after that game because it. The fact that the fact that that he's saying we had to scrap our entire playbook. Man, we came out. We're just lost. We're like we we don't know. We don't know what hit us. They came out and gave us a look. Man, we didn't know what to do. We might well just just packed up the bus and went home. Man, what, what's gonna Illinois. happen? Yeah, against Illinois. What's gonna happen when he played number two Oklahoma? Holy crap, man! They're gonna get scorched, and he's gonna get the can. What week did they play each other? That is week two, the second week. Yeah, that's. Uh, I said week four. He would be gone. He may be gone week two. That it, it just. It amazes me that a college football coach could go from the hottest commodity on the market. And uh, one of our buddies that's a big Florida fan wanted Scott Frost to be at Florida instead of Dan Mullen. And now to see where Scott Frost is, like, uh, my favorite freezing cold take tweet, I don't know if y'all have seen this, but Tim Brando put out a tweet, uh, I guess it was in 2018, whenever Scott Frost was hired at Nebraska, and he was like, Ladies and gentlemen, Nebraska has just hired the future Nick Saban. Like, don't be surprised when Nebraska starts rolling and <laughs> winning national championships. Like, it, it, the, the next coming of Nick Saban is Scott Frost. And it's like, dude, that might be the worst take of all time now. Did y'all see that tweet? It was like, uh, NCAA drops investigation against Nebraska. There's no way they've been practicing. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, it, that that game was pathetic. I'm I am very excited to watch real football this weekend. Like really good, a lot of a huge slate of great games coming yeah, up this weekend. Yeah, Keesler and I are actually going to Statesboro, Georgia to watch 
the old Georgia Southern game for what a, a, a half. And we'll then, go for about a half. They're playing Gardner Webb. Gardner so Webb. It won't be that big of a game. Yeah, and the games at the games at six o'clock. So and then Georgia plays at seven thirty. So most definitely we're gonna be at the game for a half, and then we're gonna go watch Georgia play. I was gonna say something there else, but I'll I'll save that for later. <laughs> you gonna go watch Georgia uh, play at the Blue Room? Yeah, probably. Probably. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, yeah. Nice. Back to yeah. the old stomping ground. I like it. Yeah, it's been it's been two years since I've been down there, man. Has wow, it really? yeah, yeah, it's been two Dude, years. It's changed a lot. It's changed a lot in the past two years. Uh, hey, uh, Matt, uh, Georgia, not Georgia. Yeah, you're a Georgia fan, Matt. Alabama plays uh, what? Miami. Miami three thirty on ABC. In in Mercedes Benz. Ah. I'd love to go to the game, but I'm uh, I, like I said last week. I'm sorry, but I I can't bring myself to pay close to three hundred bucks after fees for nosebleed seats to watch Alabama Miami, which I think is actually going to be a decent game. I'll go into a little more analysis later on. Uh, I I think it's going to be a closer game. Like I don't think it's going to be a blowout. Um, But I I don't know. I mean, I just I'm really excited to see the team play. I'm I'm curious to see what Bryce Young looks like because there's been a huge hype around Bryce Young. Obviously, he's making a million dollars in NIL deals. Like he's got all the money. He's got all the hype. He's, you know, one of the Heisman favorites coming into the season. But yet the guy is is he played some last year, but I mean, it he didn't show a lot when he was in there. So, I'm curious to see what he's going to do this year and obviously we're going to be going through some grow he's going to go through growing pains first year starter um and, and playing in the SEC. So, it, it'll be it'll be I'm interested to see what he looks like. He will for sure go through growing pains because Spencer Rattler had the same thing when he first started his first season in Oklahoma. He looked good against the teams he was supposed to look good against, and then when it came up against that better competition, that game plan against him, he Lincoln Riley had to bench him during the Texas game and you know get his mind right. So I wouldn't be surprised if you know when does Alabama play. Like a a solid SEC team, week three or four. Uh, week three, week three, I believe. I I get the whole schedule mixed up. I just I just I I want to say week three is when SEC play starts. Okay, so I wouldn't be surprised. Week three, Bryce Young struggles in like the first half, and then he goes into half you know to the locker room. Nick Saban chews his ass a little bit, and then he comes back out and shreds it up. It's gonna be interesting to see because. I think the offensive line is going to be good. I think the running game is going to be what predicates how well he does. Uh, Trey Sanders should be coming back soon and be and, and healthy. Uh, Brian Robinson's back this year. He's he's the first string running back. A uh, lot of a lot of good things that I'm hearing out of him from camp. So uh, you know, I, obviously I don't think the sky's falling at Alabama because. Bryce Young's a first-year starter, but I, th- I think he'll go through some growing pains. Uh, I would prefer that he goes through them earlier against teams that the defense can win games for him for, uh, things of that nature, rather than doing it against Texas A&M on the road, Kyle Field. Uh, week three, Alabama plays Florida. Week four is Southern Miss. I could I got those two mixed up. So uh, Florida is going to be a good test for him. Yeah. Week week three, you're going to the swamp. That's a that's a nasty environment. That's a three thirty CBS game, mm. prime time. You know that I think that'll be a good test to see what Bryce Young really is made of. Now we don't know what Florida's defense looks like. If if <laughs> again, but that's still a hostile environment to go into. 
And last year, whenever he was coming into games, there were no fans really. I mean, there were some fans, but not like this year. Not that not not a full house of screaming fans yelling everything in the book at you. So this year we're doing our first road trip draft before the season starts. Um, I'm starting off week one. I'm picking Georgia, Clemson, and Charlotte. We're going to the uh, Carolina Panthers Stadium. Um, I've already got tickets to go. I actually am physically going to the game. And it's it's going to be a big game. I mean, it's a top five matchup. Georgia and Clemson both have national championship hopes this season. Um, I actually picked Clemson to win the national championship in my predictions. Uh, so I, I think this is going to be a huge game. Obviously, I'm a big Georgia fan. There's going to be a lot of Georgia fans there. I already know tons of people that are going. Um, I even got a wristband for a little tailgate that starts about five hours before the game where it's all you can drink beer throughout the whole day. So um, it, it's going to be a good time. I'm really excited. Matt, who are you picking week two? So week two, I'm going to go with Oregon at Ohio State. Um, Ohio State is in Columbus, Ohio. I've, I've heard a lot of cool things about it. Um, I would love to go to the Horseshoe and that environment in a what's probably potentially going to be a top 10 game. Uh, it would be insane. Probably a night game uh, in Columbus, Ohio. That would be nuts. Uh, I really don't care about either team, so I wouldn't be going because of the rooting interest. Um, but absolutely would be excited to go to the horseshoe lando week three who you where are you going week three this is a huge shocker but i'm picking nebraska versus oklahoma in norman this game is supposed to be a revival of the game of the century that happened in 1971 back when uh, both oklahoma and nebraska were powerhouses in college football nowadays only oklahoma is still a powerhouse in college football and this game is going to be a complete blowout uh I still think it's just going to be cool to see these teams play again. That uh, Nebraska used to be a Big 12 uh, team back in the day. Uh, actually, in 2010, the last ever Big 12 championship game, Oklahoma played Nebraska before uh, everything went to crap and all the teams left the Big 12. So that was the game I'm picking for week three. Keys, who are you picking? All right, so week four, going back up to Nashville. I know I go to Nashville a lot, but I've never actually been to a Vanderbilt game. So we're going for Georgia Vandy in Vanderbilt, and uh, I was already going to that game anyway, so that's that's one of the reasons why I picked that one. It's not necessarily going to be a compelling game, I don't think, but uh, I'm, I'm going to be there, so I'm going to be excited. Wait, week five. Yeah, so week five, I'm heading over to Happy Valley. I think we're going to get a whiteout game for Indiana at Penn State. I have a feeling this is going to be a top 10 matchup too, um, depending on how Penn State-Wisconsin goes week one. Um, I think Penn State's going to kind of make a turn this season after last year. I think they're going to look a lot better. They bring a lot of guys back. I think James Franklin is still a really good coach. Um, not huge on their quarterback, Sean Clifford, but um, it's kind of the same with Indiana. Indiana brings a lot of guys back. They got a great coach in uh, Tom Allen. And if their quarterback, Michael Pennitz, can stay healthy, they're going to have a really good year. Uh, the only issue is he's constantly hurt. The past two seasons, he's gotten hurt before the end of the season. Um, I think he ran through about six or seven weeks last year, which is the most he's gotten to play through. Um, so if he's healthy and Sean Clifford takes a, takes a step forward with James Franklin, this is going to be a really, really fun game to be at. Um, it's one of the best atmospheres in football when they do the whiteout. So um, that that's where I'm going week five. Matt, where are you taking us week six? Week six. Where else would I be than Kyle Field for Alabama-Texas A&M? Probably going to be a top five matchup. Uh, hopefully both teams are undefeated going into that game 5-0. and oh. uh, I, it, It's at Kyle Field which is the 12th man, absolutely raucous environment in college, in college station. Uh, would love to be there for that game. 
So, uh, the, the, you know, I want to hit every SEC stadium. That's just going to chop another, chop another one off that, that list. And, uh, go to Kyle field week six, Lando week, week seven, where are you taking us? Week seven. We're going to Louisiana Lafayette. They're playing app state. App state has been pretty good the past couple years. And, uh, Louisiana Lafayette is ranked this year in the top 25, if I'm not mistaken. So that's going to be a really good game between two good teams that are normally pretty good. So, uh, keys, where are you taking us week eight? All right, so week eight, Matt got me really into this game last year. He was talking about it. Uh, Tennessee at Alabama. Got to get the rivalry going. That's not really a rivalry, but we got to get the cigars. So we're going to Bryant-Denny Stadium, and that's another one of those stadiums that I've always wanted to go to. Just kind of knocks them off my list, like Matt said. So, Whit, what's our next pit stop? So week nine, we are going to my first trip to South Bend, Indiana, uh, checking out UNC at Notre Dame. This should be a really good game, I think, this year. Notre Dame. I think it's going to take a step back from what they had last year, and I think UNC is going to take a step forward. So I could see this being a big upset game for UNC and really uh, putting their name on the map. Um, I've always wanted to go to Notre Dame. It's it's a dynasty. I mean they've they've been one of the best. They've been one of the best schools for years to play football, and um, everybody everybody wants to check it out. So I definitely got to check out Notre Dame, check out the Gold Helmets, and uh, see what that's all about. Week nine, Matt, were you taking this week ten? So week ten, Wit. I think when you when you did this draft, you tried to pick every al- week Alabama had a big game because Alabama LSU is that weekend in Tuscaloosa. But I'm actually not going to go there because I've been to Tuscaloosa many times. Awesome place. Been to Bryant Denny. Where I've never been is Ames, Iowa, for Iowa State, Texas. Uh, that seems that should be a pretty compelling matchup. Uh, Iowa State, a top ten preseason team, uh, returning Brees Hall, returning uh, Brock Purdy at quarterback. A lot of hype behind the Cyclones there. Uh, Texas, who are they going to be this year with first-year head coach Steve Sarkeesian? I think that's going to be a really cool matchup. So we're going to take it to Big 12 country for Ames, to Ames, Iowa for Week 10. Lando, Week 11, where are we going? Week 11, we're going to Florida State, Miami. This is typically a pretty big game if we were back in the 90s because both these schools were really, really huge in football. Uh, nowadays, only Miami is still kind of – Still relevant. Florida State is trying to make a comeback, but I, you know, I just like to see old school rivalries played. Uh, this game is, my opinion, hopefully going to be pretty good, no matter how good these teams are. So that's where we're going. Week eleven, keys. Week twelve. All right. So after looking at all the the games during week twelve, I was looking for a compelling matchup, and I finally found one in Prairie View at Texas A and M. I'm just kidding. I'm not. We're not going there. We're going to Nebraska at Wisconsin. Just another great rivalry. Another stadium I haven't been to. It would just be a great time up there. Wit, week 13. So week 13, Georgia Southern plays App State for the first time on a Saturday. And I th- I'm pretty sure since they've joined the FBS, moved up from the FCS. The only problem is it's at App State. And no offense to the guys up there. And I, I don't really want to go to App State. I don't really care to go um, and check that out. I'd rather go to... Texas A&M at LSU. Me and Lando have been to LSU before. We had a wonderful time. It's one of the best tailgating scenes in the country. Baton Rouge is a lot of fun. So I'm, I'm heading back over there. I think this is a game that could potentially decide the SEC West if Alabama, for some reason, ends up taking a step back. Um, LSU could be a surprise team. I know they're ranked kind of high in the AP poll. And a lot of people are saying they're a little overrated. I think they might be kind of right where they should be right now. Um, and they could end up getting better. So... I think this could this could end up being a really good game. Pretty decent road trip. Oh yeah, that would be a lot of fun if we could actually make this whole thing happen. <laughs> so we're going. I know, I'm surprised you picked a Tuesday game. Yeah, man. You know, 
I'm I'm a little upset that Matt didn't pick um Texas and Oklahoma. He picked freaking uh Alabama, Texas A and M. Who gives who gives a crap about that? The Texas State Fair, man. The Texas State Fair. You get an entire week of, of eating fried foods and going to a fair and you get to watch classic Oklahoma, Texas football on Saturday. You did say that was the team that's supposed to knock off Alabama though. That's good SEC football right there. Yeah. So how how far is Dallas or the or the Texas State Fair from uh co- College Station? Do we know? Mm, give or take two and a half hours. Eh. Well, if that's the case, then we could do both because we could hit Red River Rivalry at noon. Noon. Eleven o'clock. And actually, Al- eleven o'clock. But then Alabama A and M isn't until seven p.m. Yeah, Central go. Standard Time. So we could hit both of those in in one day, and uh, you know. Double road trip that week. <laughs> that's not the three thirty game on CBS. No, it's the eight PM game on CBS. Uh, that's the one game they took this year. Okay, nice. That'll yeah, be great. They, they, yeah, they took that as the night game, which which makes that game even more scary. Is Kyle Field at night? Well, guys, let's go ahead and get into our pour one out, cut him off segment. Lando, who you pour one out for? This week, I'm pouring one out for NASCAR, who put on a show on Saturday night with the NASCAR race. Um, I'm actually going to make this more specific. I'm pouring out for the NASCAR officials because they uh, changed the rules package for the, the this Daytona race. They actually cut the cars down in horsepower a little bit and uh, made the spoilers a little bit taller. And it helped the drivers pretty much control the cars because they were going slower. And they were able to control their runs, control their cars better, and actually get to the bumper of the car in front of them and do a little tandem drafting, a little bump drafting. And I thought it made for a great race from start to finish. Uh, so I'm really happy with what NASCAR did. I'm hoping that they carry this rules package that they did for this past Saturday over to the Talladega race in the playoffs. Cause I think it's going to make for an even better race in the playoff. Um, so that's what I'm pouring out for this week. This week, I'm not cutting off anybody. We're all safe. Matt, who are you pouring out for? So this week I'm pouring one out for fake IDs. And, uh, the reason I'm pouring one out for this, if y'all haven't seen this, the absolutely hilarious, somehow missed by ESPN with Sycamore Bishop High School in uh in in Ohio and I'm going to put high school in air quotes cuz it doesn't really exist. This whole thing was a big old fake uh, a big fake fest uh which has turned into like honestly really hilarious to me. Um obviously it's super embarrassing for IMG Academy because now they played a school that played two games in two days. They played Friday, then they played Sunday. Uh they had like former JUCO football players that were acting like they were 21. Their head coach has an arrest warrant. The whole story is just super insane and to me very funny that no one caught this. Like how did no one catch this? They 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 told ESPN they had several D1 players, but none of them were in their database. I, I don't know how ESPN didn't catch it. I don't know how I, IMG Academy didn't catch it whenever they were scheduling the game. Like I, I really just don't understand the the how all of this got missed. Um, but it, it it makes for a hilarious story, and so I'm pouring one out for for fake IDs because they use the the clearly fake IDs to to even make that game happen. The ATK does not support or condone fake ID use. No, I, I don't. I don't. I don't support fake IDs. I find it hilarious that that this that this school. Uh, yeah. Anyways, cutting off this week, Scott Frost. Um, I, I talked about it earlier. Scott Frost comes out, and 
He goes to a press conference after an embarrassing loss to Illinois. And I know a lot of people have come out and said Illinois is going to be better than what they, you know, were last year and have been and yada, yada, yada. Nonetheless, Scott Frost comes out, and I'm sure that he meant this with best intentions, but he says that after they saw the way that Illinois lined up defensively, they threw the entire playbook out, and the entire game plan wasn't going to work. If you are a college football head coach of a program, you cannot ever admit openly that your team was ill-prepared for what you saw because you've got to play every scenario. What have you been doing since last December? What have you been doing? Did you not go back and look at any of Brett Bilema's schemes that he ran while he was the head coach at Arkansas? Did, did you, or were you just completely caught off guard by everything that happened? Because if you are, then you should not be the head coach of a division one football program, much less a power five school. That, that that's just unacceptable to be ill-prepared for your first game of the season against a guy. It's his first game at a school. Just unbelievable gaffe by Scott Frost, and he is going to be gone sooner rather than later from Nebraska. They're not going to stand for it for much longer. I, I said it last week. They're a former blue blood. They really are a blue blood, former powerhouse. Unbelievable that he did that happen. Uh, Wit, who are you pouring one out for this week? So I'm uh, pouring one out with Lando here. We're standing out by the back of the bar, pouring one out together. Uh, and I'm pouring one out for plate racing for NASCAR. Plate racing, this is the first first weekend I've ever heard the term, ever. Um, but I actually sat down from start to finish, watched the entire Daytona race, and it was it was awesome. It was the first time I've ever been so into a race from start to finish. No, I mean, I, I didn't cut it off ever. I mean, there's even times it went on commercial. And I just sat there through it. Um, I kind of, you know, played on my phone a little bit. It's not like I just sat there and stared at the entire time. I mean, it's a long race still. But it was it, it was very easy to keep up with it. It's, there's a lot going on. Um, I had the I didn't have the TV muted for the race either. So I had the announcers kind of tell me what was going on the entire time too. And the announcers for NASCAR actually do a really good job of for – they do a good job for people that don't really know racing very well, kind of explaining exactly what's going on throughout. So I, I, it was really exciting. I'll definitely uh, keep watching races. Um, I'm getting more and more into it every week, and I'm hoping I'll be hoping I'll be a fan by the end of the season. So pour one out for plate racing, and I am cutting off losing your taste. Um, I told a couple of y'all I got COVID nineteen last week. Uh, I've been dealing with that for the past about. It's coming on to ten days. Friday will be when my quarantine's over, and I don't have taste. I don't have smell, and it is kind of terrible. I mean, so far for me, that's been the worst of it. I know there's a lot of people that struggle with it a lot more than I do, but uh, losing taste is just not fun at all. It it uh, makes eating a little bit more difficult than you think it would be. Um, a lot of people keep saying, "Well, you know, just there you go. You just eat some raw broccoli and just raw salad. You don't even have to put dressing or anything on it." And, you would think that'd be the case, but it kind of messes with your stomach a little bit, and not really to taste anything, and not satisfy like certain cravings and whatnot. So, uh, definitely cutting off losing taste. Keys, you pour one out for. <laughs> so I'm pouring one out for Zeb Noland, who until what yesterday or a couple days ago was just a graduate assistant for South Carolina, and um, he hasn't even played football since 2019. But he's going to be the starter for South Carolina this week against Eastern Illinois after their original starter injured his foot. So 
that's just that's a pretty cool story. You know, you think you've hung up the cleats and uh, you go be a graduate assistant, and then you know your number's called again to come up and be the starter. So really cool for Zeb Nolan. And I'm cutting off. I know Matt already talked about it with his poor one out, but I'm cutting off Bishop Sycamore. Uh, just an absolute crazy situation, like he said. Um, a, a false online school that's kind of posing just for athletics and faking the D1 athletes. And now it's come out that their coach has an arrest warrant out for fraudulent activities. So he's just keeping the train rolling. That was a whole train wreck. I don't know how ESPN ever let that happen. I don't know how IMG ever let it happen. But it was really entertaining to read about. So cutting off Bishop Sycamore. Yeah, that, that that whole situation, just to talk about it a little bit more, like from an administrative standpoint at ESPN, IMG Academy, how do you miss that? Like, because when you schedule this, you have to have some form of communication, right? Yeah, well, like, the commentators were even saying, they're like, yeah, we'll be honest, they didn't really give us much of a roster. We don't really know anything about this school. We're like, how are you, how does this happen? The amount of preparation that goes into a broadcast, and you you haven't been like, oh, they've only played six games, oh, and they played on Friday, and it's Monday now, or whatever, whatever it was. Was it Sunday they played? It was it was Sunday at one thirty, and, yeah. they had just, and Bishop Sycamore had just played Friday night. They swapped around numbers so that they could make it look a little less suspicious. It's like, oh, that cornerback was wearing, you know, two on Friday, but now he's wearing six. It's a different guy, you know. And now there's the hilarious pictures of guys like with their helmets off, and you could clearly tell they're like twenty five. Yeah, they were a lot of them <laughs> like, were like what JUCO players that had dropped out or something. Yeah, like. Former JUCO players, like guys that had either moved on and or, or dropped out. I'm like, dude, and and they got absolutely yeah, smoked. and they lost. Yeah, they lost. And it was it it like I remember the the uh, I was watching it, and I want to say it was like the second quarter. It was thirty to nothing already. IMG, which to be fair, IMG shouldn't even be considered to be a high school football program, like at all, That's what because they, play they have. Right, but they shouldn't be like they should only. It, it, it they have thirty seven of the top three hundred players in on ESPN's top three hundred. Like thirty seven, go to IMG Academy. That's insane. Which that that means the second string is in the top three hundred for ESPN. <laughs> Anyways, so n- not only that, like the uh, the announcers there there was a play that happened is like thirty to nothing in the second quarter. And uh, one of the announcers for ESPN was like, this is starting to become a safety concern for some of these players for Bishop Sycamore. Like, because they're getting abused. The right guard pancaked a linebacker. Feet go flying in the air. It was like, dude, this is bad. So bad. If anybody hasn't watched that, some of the clips from that game and broadcast, they need to go back and watch it. It's just silly. One of the high school games that they played, though, Saturday at 6. Did you watch any of Gunnar Stockton's... uh, Raven County game? Um, no, I, I didn't watch it live, but I actually woke up at 3 a.m. the next morning because I've been going to bed really early. Um, and when I woke up, the replay was on. So I ended up watching the entire uh, Raven County Pace Academy game um, on the replay. And Gunnar Stockton looked very, very good. He went for over, I think it was like 450-something yards altogether. He had like 390 passing yards and like... No, yeah, actually, he might have had over 500 yards because he had, like, 390-something passing yards and then, like, 120 or 150 rushing yards. Like, he went off. He 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 dominated uh, Pace Academy. I think he had more yards himself than Pace Academy did throughout the entire game. But their whole offense runs through him. He's an absolute beast. Um, 
I've said this a couple of times. I think once he gets to Georgia, he's going to just completely wipe out who else is going to be there. Like I'm a big fan of Brock Vandegraaff. I think he's going to be good. I think he's going to be really good. Uh, Carson Beck, I think is it going to be the backup this year for JT? Um, and I think he is also a pretty good player, but I think once Gunner gets there, Kirby's going to look at him and be like, dude, this guy is, this is our guy. Like there's, there's not a guy I would want running. I would want running Todd Munkin's offense more than Gunner Stockton. Oh, for sure. I, I, I agree with you there. I, I've seen him and Brock Vandegrift both play high school football. And to me, there's no comparison. Like Gunner Stockton is a game changer. Like he is a stud of an athlete just in general. Uh, good, good size, like phenomenal arm strength. Uh, I think that Gunner Stockton is that elite quarterback. Like we talked about with Tyler last week. I think Gunner Stockton has elite written all over him whenever he gets to Georgia. Oh yeah. And I'm real excited about it, but let's go ahead and get into our picks for this week. Week one. Uh, we got number 19, Penn State, is going to uh, Camp Randall, taking on number 12, Wisconsin. Wisconsin's a four-and-a-half-point favorite. Lando, who are you picking in this game? I'm going to go with Penn State. Early upset for this year. Uh, first game back for the Big – well, the second game back for the Big Ten, and we've already kind of seen what the Big Ten is looking like this year. Not very good. So I'm going with Penn State with an upset against Wisconsin. Matt. I am going to take Wisconsin here. I think Wisconsin is going to be a really, really good team this year. I think they're going to compete well against uh, teams like Ohio State. I think they're going to compete for a Big Ten championship this year. Uh, Don't count out Wisconsin. Uh, So I think they're going to start the year off early with a good win over Penn State. Penn State's got a lot to bounce back from. They were really, really bad last year overall. So I think they're going to be better this year, but I'm going Wisconsin here. Yeah, Matt, I'm with you. I think there's a good chance Wisconsin could be good. The only concern I have for them is the fact that they're going to be leaning on their quarterback, Graham Burks, this year. They're not going to be leaning on a guy like Jonathan Taylor. And I've never seen a Wisconsin team do super well when they lean on their quarterback. So I'm actually going to take Penn State. I'm not high on Penn State's quarterback either, but they return a lot of guys. I think James Franklin, the head coach, is the second best head coach in the Big Ten. Um, I, yeah, I know they had a rough year last year, but I think they're going to do a lot better. So I'm going to take Penn State to win um, and cover the spread. But on to the next game, we got number 17, Indiana, heading into number 18, Iowa. Iowa is a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Lando, who are you picking? Indiana by six. Matt. This is a toss-up game for me. Uh, you know, Michael Penix coming back from a, an injury. What's he going to look like? It's in Iowa. I'm going with the Hawkeyes in a close one. I think it's a three-point game. I think Indiana covers wit. Yeah, that's a good pick. Um, I'm actually going to go Indiana. I think Penix is going to come back playing really well like he did last season. Um, And like I said, I don't really think he's going to finish the season, so I think Indiana will take a step back later on. I think Iowa has a really good defense, but I think with all the people they're bringing back, the Hoosiers are just going to be too much. I think they're going to win by at least a touchdown. I could see it getting up to maybe 10 or 13 points, though. So I'm going to go Indiana. And for the next game, we got number 23, Louisiana. Used to be Louisiana Lafayette. Now it's just Louisiana. Heading to Austin to take on number 21, Texas. Texas is a nine-point favorite. Lando, who you got? I think a lot of people are going to pick Louisiana to win this game just based off what they did last year and how Texas looked last year. I actually think Texas is going to win this game, and they're going to look good winning this game, too. I think Texas has found somewhat of a competent coach in Steve Sarkeesian, and I think he's actually going to revive them a little bit 
and bring them back to somewhat prominence in the Big 12. So I'm going with Texas. Matt. Yeah, I'm also going with Texas. I agree. Spot on with Sarkeesian. Uh, I I do really like Billy Napier in Louisiana, and I think that they're still going to be a force to be reckoned with in the Sun Belt. I think they're going to keep this game close. But Texas, I think they're going to get the, the coaching that they're going to get from Steve Sarkeesian is going to be the difference just because they've got better talent and more depth than Louisiana. And I think that that's going to, that's going to show itself. I think it's going to be a close game. I think nine is a great spread for it. I'm going to go with it that Texas wins by 10. Wit. Yeah, I think this is going to be a really close game. Um, the only reason I'm picking Louisiana to win it's because they did bring back Billy Napier, and they brought back a top five. They're top five in returning production coming back this season. And Texas actually lost a lot of players. A lot of people went to the draft. Um, they had a completely new quarterback. They just named a starter this week. Um, and it, it was Hudson Card. He ended up beating out Casey Thompson, who did really well in the bowl game. Um, but I think Louisiana is going to surprise a lot of people. I think it's going to be a really, really close game, not a blowout like Iowa State-Louisiana was last year. Um, and I, like, like I said, I'm still really not high on Steve Sarkeesian. And I know a lot of people have kind of changed their tune with it coming into this year, but I, it's, I got to see it to believe it kind of thing. I mean, he's really not done well as a head coach. The only time he's had success is, um, as the offensive coordinator for Alabama, which pretty much everybody has success as the offensive coordinator for Alabama. So I, I got to see it from him before I start believing in Texas. I'm going to go Louisiana. In our next game, we're heading to the Rose Bowl. We're going to see number 16, LSU, who is a three-point favorite at UCLA. Lando, who are you picking? So I already mentioned this earlier in the, uh, in the podcast. I'm going with UCLA to upset LSU solely just for the fact that L- uh, UCLA has already played a game at game speed. LSU, this is going to be their first game. You know, All they've been doing is playing against each other in practice. And I think, uh, you know, having a game played against another team does a lot for your team mentally and physically. So I'm going with uh, UCLA to win this game by 10 points, Matt. So I also mentioned that I I was, I was on the UCLA train for this game after watching last week because of the same reason Lando said, but also because LSU is going to be going out West. I think the three point spread is good in favor of uh, LSU I think the other reason that I'm going with UCLA here is I really don't know what to expect from LSU. Uh, are they going to be last year's LSU, or are they going to be closer to 2019's version of LSU? A lot of people are really high on LSU coming into this season, thinking they're going to revert back to their 2019 ways. Um, I just don't think they've got the talent offensively to do that. Uh, at quarterback, they don't have Drew Burrow uh, in the be- in, 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 under center uh, slinging that tater, so I am going to go with UCLA in a three-point upset. With Man, y'all are really hating on LSU this year. I'm, I'm kind of surprised. I think LSU is going to surprise a lot of people. I know they don't have Joe Burrow playing quarterback, but they do have Max Johnson, who beat Florida last year in the shoe game. Um, he, he's a good player. He's out of Georgia. Um, he's a really good lefty. I think even if Miles Brennan would have been healthy, I think there's a good chance he would have been the starter anyway. Um, and they got a lot of returning production coming back. They got a lot of good receivers. Uh, the offensive line all comes back. The defense, I think, will take a huge step forward this year. Um, and LSU's fifth in total talent in the league. And UCLA's not even top 25. So I think LSU, 
even if they're not on their game, I think they're going to push around UCLA pretty pretty bad. So I got LSU, and I don't think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be at least a two-touchdown game. And next, we'll head to Atlanta for number one, Alabama, who's an 18.5-point favorite, taking on number 14, Miami Hurricanes. Lando, who you got? Roll Tide, Matt. <laughs> uh, this game reminds me a lot uh, going into it of 2014 West Virginia Alabama that was in Atlanta. Uh, West Virginia obviously wasn't you know a, a a a great team that year. They were decent. Um, I think that that's where Miami is this year. I think they're a good team, not great. And if you remember that game, Alabama West Virginia, Alabama ended up winning by ten, but that was a really close game the whole time. What made it feel so distant? What for West Virginia was Alabama's defense. Uh, Blake Sims was a first-year starter, very similarly to Bryce Young. Lane Kiffin was the first-year offensive coordinator for that team. Bill O'Brien, a first-year offensive coordinator this year. Miami's got some talent around him. Manny Diaz is a decent coach. I think this is a big year for him to see the progression for Miami. Uh, I think Alabama wins, but I think Alabama wins in like a 10- to 17-point type of way uh so i'm going to take miami to cover but alabama to win the game uh in a in a closer than 18 and a half point game yeah i don't think it's gonna be that close uh miami is top five in returning production um they're number one in the acc they have a really good talent at quarterback in derrick king i think there's still a lot he needs to show throwing the ball and um everybody knows the running quarterback is kind of the kryptonite for alabama so i mean who knows maybe miami pulls the upset to me, I think Alabama's too good. There's too much talent. This is the most talented team, numbers-wise, that Alabama has ever had, ever. And um, I think they're just going to blow the doors off Miami. I, I don't think it's going to be a close game. I think it's going to be at least a three or four touchdown game. Um, and I think there's a chance, like I said, I think there's a chance Miami can surprise a lot of people. I don't think there's a single chance they win the game. Um, I think at best, they might keep it within you know, 17, maybe 20. But that 18.5 point spread, I would Take that in a heartbeat. I'm going Alabama easy. And then next, we'll follow me to Charlotte this weekend. We'll take we'll see uh, number three, Clemson, as a three-point favorite, taking on number five, Georgia. Lando, who are you picking? DJ Uyangalale will lead Clemson to a win over Georgia. It's going to be a really close game, though. I think Clemson is going to win this game by five points. Matt, who you got? So I, I've been on the record as, as saying I don't I, I think that this is a fun top five matchup. I think Georgia wins this game. Uh, I think Georgia is going to show the amount of talent that they actually have on the team this year defensively. I think JT Daniels is going to have a big game. Clemson's secondary last year got picked apart, and, and you saw that a lot in that uh, playoff game against Ohio State. Um, they, they didn't have a particularly great secondary defensive line. They're returning a lot. They're going to be pretty stout up there. Obviously they're Clemson. They're talented. They're very similar to Alabama now in, in terms of returning talent and coaching it up. And they've got a, a, a great defensive coordinator. He's always coming up with great schemes against teams and Georgia is going to have, you know, a question mark at wide receiver, uh, you know, color me shocked. That seems to be the 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 ongoing theme with Georgia. I still think Georgia wins uh, this game against Clemson. I think it's going to be a, a five to seven point game. I think it's going to be one of those one possession games. But I think Georgia's defense is going to give DJ Ungalele a lot of problems, and and that's why I'm picking the dogs to beat them. 
Yeah, I think this is going to be a really low-scoring game, um, which we really didn't get to see a lot of that last year. It was a lot of offense. With the guys that Clemson brings back on the defensive line with Brzee and Miles Murphy and Xavier Thomas and da 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 you can go on and on, it feels a lot like their 2016 team that beat Alabama for that first national championship. They had a lot of guys come back on the defense. They got Skowski back at linebacker, Nolan Turner back at safety as well. They got Justin Ross back on offense to be their number one receiver, which they really didn't even have last year, like a really good number one receiver. And even though they lose um, Travis Etienne, they bring back the entire offensive line. They bring in Will Shipley, who's a five-star running back. He's going to be an absolute stud. And they got DJ Uyangugale, who is an absolute beast. I think this game comes down to who's got the better quarterbacks. I think both defenses would be playing really well. Um, I think Clemson's got an edge at receiver, but I think Georgia's got an edge at the run game and on the offensive line. So I think both teams are pretty equal. I think it's going to come down to it's either DJ or JT. And I think from watching the few starts he had last year and for both of them, really, I mean, JT and DJ, I think DJ will be the better quarterback. I think he's got more accuracy than JT does. Um, I think JT could take a step forward this year. And as a Georgia fan, obviously, I'm really hoping he does. But I don't trust JT and the Georgia receivers enough to get it done against Clemson. I think it's going to be kind of a lower scoring game. I think it'll be like 27 to 24, give or take. I think they'll, they'll keep it under 30 um, for the highest scoring team. So 27-24, I'm, I'm going to go Clemson, but I'm not going to like it. Um, and then next, let's do our... Playoff predictions. Lando, who's your top four at the end of the year? Top four is going to be Oklahoma at number one. I'm going to go Alabama at number two. Clemson at number three. And, oh, shocker, Ohio State at number four. That's what I'm going for this year. It, it, it's, it's going to look it's going to look more of like the same like it has the past several years. That fourth, that fourth team, you could really slide, you know, say say Georgia wins out after this Clemson game. You know, you could really slide Georgia into that fourth spot if they went out and win the SEC championship game. Uh, Ohio State is not going to play anybody in the in the Big Ten, so they're going to be undefeated. So that fourth spot is going to be up for grabs, Matt. Yeah, I, I hate I hate this question before week one, only because we have like you you've only seen you you hear the hype of all these teams, but you haven't actually got to see them play. And for me, that's the hardest question is. Is you know with Alabama's offense because Alabama's offense has been so dynamic the past few years and that's what's kept them in the playoff this year. Uh, you know there's some question marks there. Obviously, I think they're going to be really good there. So number one, I'm going Clemson. Uh, I think that Clemson is if they beat Georgia, their path to the playoff is pretty pretty easy. Uh, I don't see North Carolina being able to take that step forward and, and dethrone Clemson as the king of the ACC. Uh, Clemson's just going to keep on rolling. Uh, they've kind of set that precedent. There's not really anybody else in the ACC that they have to worry about outside of Cle- outside of North Carolina. Uh, for some reason, Syracuse always seems to give them a, a scare, but uh, I, I don't see that happening this year. Uh, so I'm going Clemson one. Oklahoma I'm going with at number two. I think Oklahoma, uh, they have the – they made leaps and bounds improvement on the defensive side of the ball last year. Uh, Spencer Rattler has it. He went through the growing pains last year, 
This year he comes out. I think he balls out. I think Oklahoma is a force to be reckoned with. Uh, so I think they're going to both go in if if Clemson wins that Georgia game, both undefeated. Uh, so Clemson one, Oklahoma two, three. Going to go, and I don't like making this pick, but I, I think Georgia. This is the year that Georgia takes a step forward in the in the SEC. Uh, obviously, I hope Alabama wins it. Um, I just don't know what we're going to get offensively from Alabama this year. And, uh, you know, defensively, I think Alabama is going to be great. Um, but I think you know, just to, for the sake of not going with the chalk of the, of the usuals, I'm going to go Georgia at three and Ohio state at four with. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going with chalk. I, I got Clemson number one. I think Clemson, like I said, I think they're going to beat Georgia this weekend. And after that, there's not a team that's even going to give them fits. I mean, UNC in the ACC championship, if they get to that point, I could see them, you know, maybe making a push here and there. But I think it's Clemson's to, to lose. They're just too good. They're too talented. The coaching's too good. Um, I don't think they'll lose a game. Alabama, I think they are going to drop a game this year. I think that game in Texas A&M is going to be going to be real tough. But I don't think A&M, especially with Haynes King at quarterback for the first year, is going to be good enough to hold on to that top spot in the SEC West. I think they're going to end up dropping two games somewhere down the road. Um, so I got Alabama as a one-loss number two team. Oklahoma, I think they're going to slip up somewhere too. Um, I think this is the best Oklahoma team I've seen since um, – definitely since 2017 when they had Baker um, and since that Sam Bradford team that went to the national championship. There's a lot of talent. Um, the defense is going to be a lot stronger than it usually is. I think Oklahoma – is it has a really good chance to win the national championship this year. And then Ohio State, I think they're going to slip up somewhere too. They return a lot of guys, um, or they lost a lot of guys from last year, especially on defense, which wasn't even that good last year. Um, then you got C.J. Stroud coming in this year, who he's completely new. I, I think he's going to do a really good job. He's going to have Quinn Ewers biting at his ankles, trying to get that starting spot. Um, so I, I think they'll be there too, though. And I got Clemson beating Oklahoma after Oklahoma takes out Alabama to win their first NCAA uh, college football playoff game. and uh, But Clemson's just going to be too good. they got too much talent. I think DJ is going to end up winning the Heisman as like a, like a T. Martin to Peyton Manning kind of deal. He's going to be the one to bring that national championship back to Clemson, uh, which Trevor Lawrence couldn't do last year. So I'm uh, Clemson over Oklahoma. That's who I got winning the Natty. Natty wise, I would say I'm I'm gonna go Oklahoma winning the Natty this year. Lando gonna be a happy camper. Uh, I think with everything that Oklahoma has, I think they've got the pieces to do it this year. And uh, Heisman winner, if if we're doing Heisman predictions, I kind of alluded to this guy last week, and then I'm very mad, not very mad. RG three kind of stole my thunder. I've I've been praising Matt Corral a lot for what he did last year. I'm going to say Matt Corral is a sleeper Heisman winner this year. Uh, I think Ole Miss is going to win some games this year. It's going to put people on notice, and his numbers are going to speak for themselves. Uh, yeah, I picked DJ, but I will say I do think that Spencer Rattler is going to make a big push. I mean, he's going to be the Oklahoma quarterback, and every Oklahoma quarterback makes a big push for that Heisman. Lincoln Riley's just too good of a quarterback whisperer. And I'll say I do think Sam Howell is the best quarterback in the country this year, and I think he will be. Um, but I think the difference maker is going to be you got Oklahoma with Rattler and you got Clemson with DJ who are both going to be in the college football playoff. And if DJ is putting up big time numbers with Clemson as a number one team and then wins the national championship, people are going to be looking at him a lot more than a guy that plays for North Carolina. So I think uh, Howell will get swept under the rug, but I think Howell will end up going number one in the draft later on in April, which is kind of, you know, looking way too far forward, but. 
That's just what I'm thinking. Yeah. Hey, quick disclaimer before we get off here, just because uh, I'm, I'm sure there's going to be people like, oh, I'm, I, can't, I can't believe Matt's not picking Alabama to go to the playoff, and he's an Alabama fan. Blah, blah, blah. Alabama's got a really tough schedule this year with a with with a, a first-year starting quarterback. They're at Florida. They're at Kyle Field at night. They play LSU. Uh, that game's at home, but still, that's a huge rivalry game. Uh, that's going to have a lot of hype behind it. Alabama's got a really tough schedule. And I think that there's going to be a game that they slip up somewhere in there. To me, Florida's the one that that I, I feel like could could cause some problems because it's early in the year at the swamp. People are going to be chomping at the bit to get there. So that 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 is why I don't think that I've got Georgia uh, going to the SEC championship or going to the playoff to represent the SEC. Well, that's our show. Thank you guys for listening. As always, we appreciate it. Before you guys log off today, please drop us a five star review on Apple Podcasts, and give us a follow on our Instagram, at Around the Keg, and our Twitter, at Around the Keg Pod. Send us any questions or topics you want us to discuss on the show, and we'll be happy to include as much as we can. Our feature artist of the week is The Stews. Give them a follow on social media, and check out their music on Spotify and Apple Music. Here's their song, Sometimes, to play us out. Have a great week. Have a great week.